broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. So, are we ready? We are ready. Preliminary total, $52,842. We wish you Wow, that is incredible. That was yesterday's one-for-one holiday food drive. We will have Lindsay Lopez from the food bank here at 850 with an updated total. We always praise Mid-Missouri for being so generous. But then again, I'm always surprised at the generosity of our friends and our wake-up friends and our Zimmer friends. So thank you for everyone who joined us yesterday for that. If you still want to donate, if you weren't able to get out yesterday, you can check out our websites um, and there is more information there as well. Um, a couple of state updates, uh, Mark, since you and I haven't have not been on Wake Up Mid-Mo, but uh, we got an update on uh, the lieutenant governor's race. Uh, former Senator Bob Onder officially jumped in. We kind of knew that was coming. Yeah, St. Charles County. I mean, I think after he gave himself a half a million dollars and his brother gave his pack a half a million dollars, that it seemed pretty obvious he was going to run. And do you think it shakes anything up in that race? Um, Who do you think it helps? Oh, boy, that's really a tough question. I Does mean, it, I, think it, I think it probably helps Holly Rader more than right. anybody else. Um, you know, I think that probably puts her in a better position as the... the the person that maybe benefits from it but i don't know i mean i think that race is a tough race to handicap so we've got dean plocker um who has had his own set of issues who is still the speaker who is still uh in the race we've got holly thompson Rader, and we've got bob onder basically as the three yeah. main candidates there are some others in there but i mean it, it does sound like you know depending on how things shake out he probably has a fairly decent shot in the primary bob onder does bob onder does yeah i mean i just think okay. he Picks a, he picks a wing that I'm not sure Holly Rader or Dean Plocker really cover in that primary, which is the very far conservative wing of the party. And I think he's probably part of this new group, although he's not pictured on Twitter with them. But I know he's had a very busy schedule since his announcement. But yesterday I saw that the Missouri former, the, what was what was their old name? Conservative Caucus oh, the, is the, now the Freedom Caucus. Well, they were the Conservative Caucus. Then they were the caucus formerly known as the Conservative Caucus because they still <laughs> Chaos Caucus stuck together. But they've rebranded even like their Twitter. Twitter and everything else and they took a photo yesterday of a lot of them hanging out now yes they're Missouri Freedom Caucus now this is something slightly different because there is a National Freedom Caucus and they've tagged this SFC network which is the State Freedom Caucus Network so I guess these folks are going state to state and helping them set up these uber conservative caucuses and and they do some vetting it's really interesting because um, you know he's not in the picture Mike Moon because the SFCC refused to allow uh, him to be a member of it uh, because of some of the things he's posted in the past. They yeah, actually, so they actually do some thing. vetting. Yeah. I thought these, oh yeah, and these are the people that are kind of pro-vetting, right? Uh, in the state? Yeah, I think they're the folks? ones that are in for the county commission or the county committee vetting. I think they all yeah. generally support that. The other thing that's interesting, at least as reported is, is that in some way, shape, or form, Tim Jones is going to be involved in it. Yeah, he's in the photo, yeah. and I see others that we that are familiar to our audience, Bill Eigel, Nick Schroer, Rick Bratton, Mazzy, or Maisie Boyd, who is M- now Maisie, Maisie Christensen? Christensen. Yeah, and then um, uh, who else is in here? Oh, Denny Hoskins and Andrew Koenig. So a lot 
of um, players in Missouri saying, and then I assume not everyone is pictured, so I assume so, this will shape up, but how that affects the Senate uh, going forward, um, knowing that I think it's, I think someone posted like the gangs back together. Um, it's going to be an interesting year. It's another dysfunctional Senate. The other thing that's interesting is you've got Igel running for governor in the caucus. Clearly, Onder, if he's not, I mean, he may not be in it because he's not a legislator. He's clearly affiliated with it, running for lieutenant governor. You've got Hoskins running for secretary of state. Yep. You've got Koenig running for um, uh, state treasurer. You, you mean you've got basically a statewide Freedom Caucus, Freedom caucus ticket. Yeah, interesting. So nothing will get accomplished in the Senate, is what you're saying. In even if they weren't, even if they weren't running, I'm not sure they would anyway. I mean, it's just with with everything going on. But I do think um, I saw the the photo as well. Hoskins represents Cooper County, which is you know used to be Caleb Rowden's district, and st- he still has Boone, but Hoskins has that. But it is interesting. I thought the the that's a that's a sizable chunk, even without Mike Moon in it. You know that is you know. That could cause, pose some issues if Caleb Browden is trying to form some coalitions or stuff. So it will be interesting more, to see. Yeah, I think more of the same. Well, we want to welcome into the show Casey Muckler with the Department of Mental Health. Some really positive news coming out of Missouri on this 988 line. Um, I think the headline was Missouri has the best response times. Casey, welcome into the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Tell us more about these response times and how you've been able to accomplish that. Yeah, so I would say um, we just worked very early on before 988 officially launched at the national level to really um, make sure that we had our ducks in a row, make sure we had the funding that we needed, really work with the providers that are answering those calls and texts and chats to make sure that they had everything that they needed to be successful in answering those calls. And then we've done a ton of promotion of 988 since it launched. Um, really making sure that we are getting as many calls as possible because we want to reach as many people as possible that are in crisis and need help. Can you tell us any actual numbers? Like what type of volume of calls are we talking about? Yeah, so I can tell you um, in October, we had about 5,000 calls in October that were answered here in in Missouri, which is pretty high call volume when you compare it to um, the census data and you think about the number of calls that are coming into other states. So we're getting quite a bit um, of call volume that we anticipated um, and are working to really make sure that number is out there. And then we answered about 94% of those calls locally here in Missouri. So most of those folks are staying right here in Missouri, getting connected to a local crisis specialist that can help them. So the 988 uh, is well known, I think, on a national level, is kind of a suicide prevention line. But there's more to it than just suicide prevention. Can you talk a little bit about the other side of that, the kind of the crisis uh, intervention? Of course. Yeah. So um, 988 was built on the historic suicide prevention lifeline, but it really is for anybody experiencing any type of mental health or substance use crisis or anybody that's really just needing to reach out for some sort of emotional support. So we always say that our crisis specialists don't define what a crisis looks like to somebody else. Whatever it is that they're feeling and they need to talk about it, we encourage them to reach out to us. So it's really for mental health support, but it's also for substance use crisis. So if somebody is going through a hard time and really just needs to talk about um, ways in which they can keep themselves safe and receive that local support, that's what 988 is really for. Is Which division does that operate out of? Uh, I know the Department of Mental Health has three divisions. 
You've got division of behavioral health. You've got the developmental disabilities. I don't think it's that one. And then the division of administrative services. Which one would that be in? And um, in, in, I'm just curious so as far as FTE and, and how many folks. Because that, that, I, I can't think of anything more important that you, you folks do than this. Yeah. Um, so it is actually um, operated and, you know, over overseen by the Division of Behavioral Health, mm-hmm. but we're really trying to integrate 988 into all other state departments, too. So we're working on plans to connect with each state department to make sure that they're also helping us spread the message of 988, because there are so many people who still don't know about it. Now, when you talked about um, talked about the line, it, clearly we've we've heard about the response times, and that was something you've been praised for is quick response times. And then you also mentioned um, the the calls being answered locally. It sounds like those two things. Maybe the data bears that out. If you can talk to someone quickly and you can talk to someone locally, that it's helpful. Are there other? I mean, is that why those two things are are highlighted as important? And then what else in getting people to the right resources or what they need? What else is important in that calculus? Absolutely. So I would say um, the number of calls coming in is significant to us. Our in-state answer rate, that 94% that I gave you, is is important to us. And then the average speed in which we're answering these calls is also very important to us. We know that um, in October, we answered all of our calls, all of those 5,000 calls, in about 14 seconds on average, which is a really quick um, response time in getting connected because we know that when folks are reaching out in crisis, every second counts, and we need to connect to them as quickly as possible. And Brian kind of asked... I would say... In, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, Brian kind of asked about um, FTEs, was, too, and so that was my question was mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah, when you say answering, did you RFP that out to... Are there other... Fo- I mean, is it in-house state mm-hmm. people, or are, is that a third party, um, third parties that are answering those calls? Yeah, so it's actually... Um, we actually have seven 98 centers across Missouri, and these are the centers that have historically answered the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and they're also our behavioral health providers here in Missouri. So we worked very early on to connect with all of these centers, really work with them to plan the infrastructure that it was going to look like in Missouri, um, and then roll this out. So it's not um, necessarily state folks answering these calls. It's trained crisis specialists at behavioral health providers that are answering all of these calls, text and chats. You are hearing Casey Muckler. She is with the Department of Mental Health. Talk to us about the, the whole angle of those people out there, Casey, who call might call 988 as opposed to calling 911, but they still have fears, I'll bet, that, oh, if I call about this, the, the cops are going to show up at my house. Or, worst case scenario, I'll be forced into a non-voluntary mental health commitment. Yeah, those are absolute real fears because I know that there are there are folks out there who have had that situation happen to them. And I will just say to that, our goal is really to keep people safe in their communities. We really want to connect with individuals when they're at a point in their crisis that they don't necessarily need to go to the hospital and they don't need law enforcement involvement. The earlier we can connect with folks, the better, because then we can talk to them about what they're experiencing and keep them safe in their community and then connect them to the resources that they ultimately need to be connected to now we've talked to some other folks about the holiday blues um do you track obviously you're tracking those calls do you expect an uptick over throughout december and maybe into january as the weather gets cold and it gets darker and people are you know we get into the holiday season 
Yeah, so a lot of people um, believe that there may be a spike um, around the holidays, but actually what we know from uh, suicide data is that it's actually the opposite. The holidays kind of act as a protective factor for a lot of folks. Obviously not everybody, but a lot of times um, being around family and being in the holiday um, time frame is kind of a protective factor for folks. And so um, we don't typically see an uptick in volume around the holidays. Um, most of the time with suicide data, we worry about the springtime. Um, that's typically like known as more of a time when suicide rates are a little bit on the rise. Interesting. I don't think I knew that. Well, we sure, certainly appreciate all the work that you're doing um, in, in helping spread the word about this. And in those response times, I think it I think, you know, speaking personally, I've my life has been affected by suicide. And I, there are people that I certainly wish were still here and that had, you know, a, a, a somebody a call away. And, and so we really appreciate um, all the work you are doing and the department's doing and your centers are doing. So thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me and spreading the word about 988. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Casey. All right. Coming up next, we have The Morning Bell by Mark Ellinger with a twist that only Mark can give you. There you go. So I know you truly love this, Stephanie. Tipping for everything. Every single thing. But wait, there's hope out there. Thank goodness. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Listen to Wake Up Mid-Missouri from anywhere in the world by downloading our app for free. It is 825, which means it's time for the morning bell this morning with Mark Ellinger and the twist that only Mark can give you. All right. The market is big time up again. Uh, Futures are up across the board. Yesterday, as you may know, was set a new record, 37,000. It's never been there before. Uh, Looks like they're going to shatter that one today. Um, Mostly, I think in part, yesterday it was because of the announcement that there'll be three rate cuts by the Fed, uh, which was huge news after all the rate increases. Uh, the market was been waiting for the Fed to make some indication that, uh, you know, maybe that those rates will come back down and put more money in the market. That's occurred. So that set off yesterday's rally. This morning, early, things were kind of up a little bit, but flat. And then the retail sales report came out uh, about almost exactly an hour ago. And this is the November retail sales report. It's the they call it the holiday sales report. Because most people have completed their shopping by now. Oh. Um, I, I'm not going to name any names. But or at I'm least they've started their shopping behind. by now. And it includes Black Friday and all, all those events that you know we're, we're all familiar with. So analysts expected that maybe it would be down a little bit, particularly compared to last November. Instead, up big. Uh, retail spending is up big. I don't think anybody really? anybody expected that. Frankly, I think people were there were a lot of pessimists out there who thought that they might be way down. Um, so they're up uh, three tenths of a percent compared to October, um, but it's up four percent wow. overall um, from a year ago. Now, do you think- so? It's so sales in November outpaced inflation. 
based upon the November before. Now, get an idea. do you think that people are just putting that on credit cards or doing that? Like, what is that thing, Hannah, after pay where you can like spread it out in four payments that your generation loves to do? Like, okay, current listen, layaway listen. or whatever. So, so uh, there is a concern that um, credit card debt is continuing to increase and the personal spending rate, which is, or excuse me, personal saving rate, which is the rate at which people put money aside, is declining. Mm-hmm. So, Basically, what I think it tells us is the American consumer is not done spending, but they're not having as much money as they used to have, which means which it will eventually catch up to them. Yeah, yep. that's and it'll catch up situation. to the economy. Well, and it's especially dangerous for young people who are learning how to rack up the credit card debt or you know pay things over time. I mean, and that's a scary situation. For the record, Stephanie, I only used Afterpay for two purchases for Christmas. I haven't used it for any, but no, I get, I mean, I, I think if I had that option at your age, I would, but I think Actually, a lot of people, three, I think, well, <laughs> and I think, I'm... but I think a lot of people like you think Christmas, you're like YOLO, like whatever, you know, like it, you got to make people happy. And then you get that bill in January and you realize, oh my gosh, I spent more than, I mean, I've been in that situation where you get in January and you're like, wow, I kind of went crazy there and you can't take it back. Well, and it stinks too. Like at my age, you know, I want to give gifts to more of my family. And so trying to do that in a way that doesn't completely break us, it's been an interesting balancing act. Well, and and there's a new trend out there that may have impact, particularly upon a lot of younger people. Oh, yeah. And, you know, do you recall, because we came out of COVID, everybody was really generously tipping at bars and restaurants. I mean, I felt like, I think you felt like you were coming back. It's nice that they're here and it's nice that they're serving. And then the next thing you know, you go to McDonald's, they want to know if you want a tip. And then it's the dry cleaner wants to know if you want a tip, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's everywhere you go. I mean, you can't, you almost can't buy anything without getting asked for a tip. Well, guess what? What? That's changing now. Tipping is going down. Thank People goodness. are not as likely to tip anymore. In fact, it's down 7% hmm. uh, already, and we're seeing it across the board, and it's this frustration. People are sick of it. All right, up next. Freedom of speech, practiced here daily, and perfected on the podcast. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Here's a big old serving of leftovers. Enjoy. All right. We have some things that we didn't get to. I will note. Well, and for anyone wondering if they're in a time matrix, we are doing leftovers early. Thank you for the clarification, (laughs) Hannah. Of course, we're going to be joined by Lindsay Lopez of the Food Bank for an updated grand total from yesterday's food drive. And that will happen at 850. But for now, so we're bumping leftovers up just a little bit. Um, speaking of something else that was um, taken, I think this has taken longer than they anticipated, didn't it, Mark? Uh, so two years ago, the General Assembly passed the PDMP program. Mm-hmm. If you recall, that was a big deal with um, Holly Thompson Raider, who's now running for lieutenant governor. Um, Missouri is the last state to join the PDMP ranks. I know a lot of probably wake up wake up mid-Missouri listeners were not on board with that I still have serious reservations Mm -hmm. about this well and she was just on the show Tuesday with a guest fill-in Randy Tobler and he kind of had an interesting perspective on it you know since he is a doctor and a provider like he was able to give kind of that unique perspective that we hadn't heard on the station before so Mm -hmm. I just I I don't want the government to have my medical there was a lot of opposition to it and man it was really kind of 
jammed through to a certain extent almost entirely on the basis that we were the last state. Well, well and, and, the, and the whole other side of it was, you know, St. Louis County early on did their own PDMP. And then what was it? Like half the counties in the state jumped on that one. So, in effect, I know Cole County for sure. It's been on the books long before the state law did. And, mm-hmm. and it's like all these good ideas. They're good ideas. Like we should do something to try to work against opioid abuse. But in the end, it's just a, one more example of how the government gets more of your data, more of your information, and you lose control over yourself. And if you know how many like government agencies have been hacked um, and all of that, I just they can tell you that it's safe. But what we find yeah. out is it's nothing is really safe anyway. Two years after the General Assembly passed PDMP, I think yesterday was the official yep. uh, system goes live date. So um, if you uh, were worried about it. <laughs> It's a done deal now, well, right? And I, uh, <clears throat> it was an issue that had been discussed, and it, quite frankly, um, it always would pass when Howie Rader was a member of the House. It would pass the House pretty easily, um, Republican and Democratic support. Senator Rob Schaff, a former senator, Mark remembers him from St. Joseph. He ha- had the, the very concerns that Mark is citing, and he, he you know bottled it up for years. People thought when he left that it would automatically pass, and it really did not. There was still a lot of opposition to it. I think what sticks out to me uh, the most about the PDMP is it took two years, as you mentioned, to get that into effect, this uh, this database. But basically, the, da- the PDMP is a database that collects data on controlled substance prescriptions within a state that's really what it is in a nutshell i'd be interested to know if this was one of the issues that they vetted for that missouri freedom caucus how many of those missouri freedom caucus people you think voted for pdmp any of them uh, I, would, uh, I i was in the with with go ahead mark i would say i would guess most of them voted against it if i just yeah. had to kind of speculate i mean schaff was a schaff was a doctor too he, just, he was people forget that Sh- uh, schroer definitely was a no vote um who else is in if i don't have a picture right uh, hoskins bratton yeah, Bratton. I don't remember. Well, Bratton. I wouldn't have. He. He. Yes. He. Eigel. He was a. He was a no vote. Eigel. Eigel. I was. I was covering the house at the time, but he. I think he yeah. had privacy concerns. Uh, Onder. Onder. I believe was a no. Brian, vote as remember well. in the house, one of the guys, one local Mid Missouri state repre- representative, who was vehemently opposed to PDMP going on the books because of the privacy angles, was then. Uh, Representative Jay Barnes, yes, from Jefferson yeah. City. Jay Barnes absolutely had those concerns, and he he and Howie Rader were good friends. They just disagreed. And Keith Frederick, who was also a doctor at the time, so the Republicans were somewhat divided. Greitens didn't. The governor at the time really didn't have a strong. My sense, I don't want to speak for him, but I don't think he had a real strong opinion one way or the other. But uh, he was so, busy with other things. Yeah, but <laughs> Governor Par- Governor Parson, you know, this was a priority for the Missouri Farm Bureau. And once the Farm Bureau said they want this done, it kind of it kind of got done. But that's that's kind of where we are right now. John, what's in your leftovers? Well, if you're in Kansas City over the holidays, there's a new attraction. I don't know if you heard about this. The KC Wheel is now up and running at Penway Point. It's open from noon to 10 each day. It's the same folks who put up the St. Louis Wheel at Union Station. So nice. it's kind of like the... Like the where Mark said, the the London Eye. Right? There you go. I'm not a heights girl. I just I can't. Ferris wheels freak me out. <laughs> All right, uh, Brian. Any updates on this? We've gotten a couple texts on the roll cart meeting tonight. We might as well. Yeah, the roll cart meeting that I want to emphasize. It is not going to be a vote or anything like that. This is an open house style meeting. Come and go as you please. 
but important. It's a chance for you to give, uh, basically, as I said, my copy, your two cents worth. You can show up anytime between 5 and uh, five and 7 uh, this evening. And f- here's the thing. They passed this roll cart ordinance, but they did not specify where the cart should be stored out, outside of the time frame. The, what the ordinance says is this one sentence. So they can be placed at the curb no earlier than 4 the day before the scheduled collection day and must be removed from the curb no later than 10 p.m. on that collection day couple things number one it doesn't specify where they're there and i know this is an issue with the city they're trying to figure that out where they should be stored outside of that time frame other than it must be on private property and then who enforces it so i know a lot of people have questions <laughs> they'll put a parking boot on the wheel of your roll cart <laughs> yeah. if it's on the curb too long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i understand but it's from five, five to seven uh this evening so um that that's called me solid waste and come and go as you please i did check i don't think to carlin see would will will be there but solid waste will to carlin seawood being the city manager it is important because we're only a couple of months away um but uh if roll carts are coming but they gotta they gotta figure that out that's something they've just got to get figured out how do they that ordinance just doesn't make sense to me from this perspective what if what if you have to work at nights how do you get your cart in off the street if you're working at night i mean that's you're now being punished because you work in an evening type of economy gig and that that is how the law no i understand yep. you that mark you bring up a good point and that is how the um, ordinance reads and they, they I, I don't see an exception i've read the copy yeah. and unless i'm missing something i don't think so has to be and again the enforcement's a big thing is somebody going to be going out driving around in a, a trash truck at 10 o'clock at night to see if the, you know the, 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 the no it's going to be like the, the chalk mark they're going to have the trolleys do it no it's going to be your, it's going to be like karen's neighbors calling yeah. in on their neighbors yep. being like i don't like the look of that blue trash can on the street it ruins the you, you had know. too many people at your barbecue during exactly. the pandemic yeah, exactly. exactly that's who's you know it, it 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 the one thing about the roll carts in you know i i remember being at one meeting and i remember hannah hannah laughed about it because this is what the person said literally they said to them talking about roll carts this was bigger than guns and abortion bigger than trump or biden these roll carts and i'm telling you there are people in this town that are single issue single issue voters but it's really it's weird it's you've got it's not ideological dan veets the marijuana activist hates roll carts and yet you have some staunch conservatives too that so it's it's not i i i don't think it's, it's definitely not liberal conservative it's just i don't know how to describe it it's just mark it's, it takes it's, us it's back to issue. the burn ban <laughs> remember the debate in jefferson city over roll carts when they first went with the the two stream yep. one roll cart for trash and one for recycling and people were just up in arms and the whole mandatory angle and they got over it and the burn ban too. And I, I wow, didn't yeah. love the idea of the single stream recycling. And then once I had it, I'm sad now that I don't have it in Ashland. But we've had roll carts. I mean, Columbia. It's time they just get with the picture. Mark, what's in your leftovers? So y'all, morning people. I'm not a morning person, so <laughs> Here you know, you I are. sacrifice my mornings to come in sometimes. And uh, we appreciate it. If you you're if you're a morning person, you should maybe thank the Neanderthals. And the fact that you must be related to them in some way, shape, or form, because the studies now show that the people that are morning people tend to have certain genetic markers that come from Neanderthals, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, which I thought was actually kind of interesting in and of itself. The other thing is, is Neanderthals gave us some other stuff. Um, If you, uh, it's not just sleeping, their sleep schedule, but 
you have uh, increased tolerance to low oxygen at high altitudes. So if you ski and you don't get altitude sickness, mm. uh, that mm. may be because you have some um, some relation to the Neanderthals. Uh, you have a greater risk for severe COVID. Oh. They found that now mm. that a lot of people that are long COVID have had it also. So it's you know interesting to see that wow. a deceased predecessor in our hierarchy is now come back so now like when employees sleep in they just can say like oh i just have bad genes i'm not a morning person it seems like a way out or you could say i'm not a neanderthal yeah <laughs> all right well we have got to take a quick break here because we are going to be getting the updated total from Lindsay lopez of the food bank coming up next This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get an exclusive look behind the scenes of the show by watching on YouTube. Search Wake Up Mid-Missouri. What an incredible day we had yesterday with the one-for-one holiday food drive with Commerce Bank. Now, Lindsay, we have been playing some audio from last night with the preliminary totals from yesterday. Um, But you're here this morning, Lindsay Lopez of the Food Bank, to give us the updated total, perhaps? It was an incredible day yesterday because of the generosity of this community. We have raised over $56,000 for our neighbors in need. That Just is, an amazing effort. That is wonderful. And so if you uh, if you missed out yesterday and you want to donate, you can still get on our website, either on KWOS or 93.9 The Eagle. There's a link there. You can text food to 573-874-9390, um, and we can provide you more information. Um, tell us about what those dollars are going to be doing. So that will help us to provide food and resources for neighbors in need throughout the holiday season and well into the new year. Um, you know, here we are in the spirit of, of the holidays and of giving and generosity. And the truth is that hunger knows no season and need will continue into the new year. It will continue for years to come. Um, We don't see that going away, but every dollar that came in yesterday will go a long way toward helping those in need. Well, and I know one of the programs that I really uh, enjoy is the Buddy Pack program. And I know during COVID, you know, with a lot of the federal rules, people we were doing breakfast and lunch for free, and now that's gone away. And so, you know, the worst thing you can see is a hungry child. That's exactly right. Our costs are three times what they were pre-COVID. That's our new normal. The number of people who are in need, including children, continues to climb. The USDA came out with a report, 2022 numbers, but the report just came out that showed that 44 million Americans are considered food insecure and 13 million of them are children hunger is real it is prevalent right here in this community throughout the state of missouri and throughout the country so you know folks here obviously in mid-missouri how can they get more involved i mean it's not just donating money although that goes so far because you can maximize the dollars what else can folks do volunteer for us we need volunteers and i'm glad you asked i'll put that plea out as school is not in session we see our our volunteer numbers decline we need your help we've got the brand new food bank market that is open on the business loop we need volunteers there definitely if you are interested in that experience of of being right there to serve those neighbors who in need and help us to distribute food you can do that we need help at mobile pantry distributions with events as well and then of course advocate for us if you hear anything that resonates with you about hunger in the communities we serve please just help tell the story about the work that we do Lindsay, I know you've you've talked to us so many times in the past, and especially about in recent years where you used to get a lot of donations from a lot of factories, and I know nationally some of those 
those corporate donations are down and the decrease in the commodities from the feds is down too and makes it just that much tougher on on the food bank doesn't it you're exactly right so the way that the food banks traditionally acquire food has changed dramatically all manufacturers and retailers are creating new efficiencies and it's really uh, reduced dramatically the amount of food that we're able to get through those traditional channels we've had to become much more creative we've had to definitely increase our revenue seeking efforts and um it, it, it i i'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it it's a challenging time um but we are committed and we are committed to the better quality foods and we will do everything we can to ensure that the neighbors who need our services continue to receive them Let's talk more about the food bank market. You brought that up briefly, but for those who haven't, you know, it's kind of a newer project. You mentioned you needed volunteers. What goes on there and what type of staffing does it require? So of the 200 food banks nationwide, six in the state of Missouri, only about 25% of us own and operate and staff our own pantry. In this case, um, we have rebranded the former central pantry that we operated for over a decade on Big Bear Boulevard as the food bank market in this new space that we opened on the business loop November 1st. So that space is serving over 10,000 Boone County residents every month. In the month of November, in fact, we served over 11,300 individuals. So I think it just really speaks to the kind of need that is out there. Neighbors who are just struggling, trying to make ends meet. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we've been, you know, really big on here is, you know, while a lot of people want, you know, government support, and I get that, you know, you get funding from various sources, it's really about the community coming together and helping neighbor to neighbor. And here, I mean, how it's just incredible how generous uh, the Mid-Missouri has been and, you know, how many other community partners you all have um, that help you with with uh, helping folks in need. That's exactly right. And I think that there is this perception by some that there's a certain type of person who receives services from us in the church truth is it could be any one of us that finds ourselves in need um you know a, a divorce a job loss a medical diagnosis um just some situation that changes your path uh moving forward and you find yourself really struggling and um need access to food and in fact you know even some of the the zimmer on-air personalities have shared both personally and and publicly that they have used our services before so um if there's one takeaway for listeners today it's just any one of us could find ourselves in that line certainly food bank obviously has such a big footprint here in in boone county in columbia but what about in the surrounding counties how do you get food out to to folks in the rural areas that maybe have transportation issues or or just aren't able to come into columbia to pick up food? yeah great question so we cover 32 counties roughly a third of the state of missouri almost 19,000 square miles so a really big footprint boone county is the most populous county that we serve so we are going into some very rural communities where the need is tremendously high and where sometimes a bricks and mortar option is not even possible. Um, we operate a fleet of vehicles that are out there actively delivering food to our partner agencies and schools. We also operate 22 mobile pantries per month. So especially in those rural communities where there is not a bricks and mortar option, we can take 10 to 12,000 pounds of, of largely the perishable foods, the more nutritious foods, and distribute that out to families in need. So we're, we're constantly looking at that footprint, looking at where the need is, figuring 
figuring out how we can be creative and adaptable to meet those needs. It's just incredible. Well, again, if you want to donate to the food bank through the food drive, you can visit our websites, uh, either 93.9 The Eagle or KWOS. And then if you want to get involved with the food bank directly and find them, where can people go? Yes, please go to our website. It's sharefoodbringhope.org. Thank you again for joining us, Lindsay, and for all of your efforts. Thank you all so much. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Well, coming up tomorrow on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, we are going to have Trey Fauché. He has been very involved with Mizzou College Republicans. I always get love getting the young folks' take now that I am an older lady. Um, <laughs> um, and so it will be Gen Z versus the rest of us as Trey and Hannah team up on a feel-good Friday. We will also be having Jeremy Katie from Americans for Prosperity getting their legislative priorities for the next session and maybe his take on how that Freedom Caucus might shake up the Senate or might it be more of the same. Of course, up next, I can see Gary Nolan through the window. He's ready to go, uh, and we are excited for that.